Hey, this is Kevin Purcell. We are the Small Church Podcast, and we're all about making your church healthier, not necessarily bigger, although we hope God will also bring the increase in that area. And uh, I'm here with my good friend, Robbie Smith. And we're just a couple of directors of missions who are wanting to help your small church become a healthy church. I'm Kevin Purcell, and over there, Robbie Smith. And we're again going to talk to you about ways that you can make your small church healthier. Uh, We want to talk about an interesting topic today. Uh, In fact, uh, this is something that I think is maybe one of the most important topics. It's baptism. Now, we're not going to talk about the meanings or the theology of it. We kind of figure you know all of that. Uh, But we're going to talk about practical ways of doing baptism and doing it I don't know, maybe in a more meaningful or exciting or interesting way. And I found an article. uh, If you're not familiar with Jim Elif, he is the son of Tom Elif. Didn't Tom lead the uh, North American Mission Board, I think it was, or something like that years ago? I'm not sure. And he's got a website called Christian Communications Worldwide. And uh, Jim Elif wrote this article about thoughts on improving baptism. And we'll give you the link We're just going to hit these real quick today, not spend a lot of time on each one, Uh, but there's nine of them, so let's go ahead and zip on through here. Uh, One of the things he says is you can make baptisms a little more meaningful in your congregation where if it's physically possible, bring the congregation close in so that it's a little more intimate, a little more informal, uh, makes it a little more personal. When I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's kind of more like bringing a baby home from the hospital. They don't all sit at far part points right. in the house. They all get close and they go, ooh and ah. Let's do the same in baptism. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think you have to consider your building. You know, if you've got a choir loft full of chairs, you want to get rid of those chairs for that service. And uh, that it just adds something new. I, would, I don't know that I would do that every week or every time you do it, but maybe you would. Yeah, I actually uh, went to a church for a little while. They had the baptism, baptistry downstairs. And so everybody grouped around and they looked down into the baptism because it was lower than everyone. Uh, Another thing he said was print up nice invitations to give out so that the persons or the person being baptized, they can invite their friends, their family, co-workers. And what that does is it gets them in the church and then while they're there, hopefully they'll hear the gospel or yeah. maybe they'll, you know, experience a good uh, time of fellowship and they'll want to come back. Yeah. And I think Kevin said something very important there, too. If you're going to have lost people there or yet to be reached people, make sure you present the gospel. Uh, make it clear you can have an invitation at some point. Invitation is calling people to repentance. Yeah. And in fact, the third thing he says in his list is always include the baptismal candidate's testimony. And that could be a more powerful presentation of the gospel than anything else if you coach them and teach them how to share their testimony in a way that is sharing the gospel. Kevin, would you have them do that live? Or, because a lot of of folks are very nervous at this point, or would you have it recorded? Well, my my first thought was you'd record it. Uh, Jim said in his article to have it written down so they could read it. 
you know, maybe give them the option. Some people might say, yeah, I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. Now you'd have to coach them a lot on that because, you know, a person can take their two-minute testimony and turn it into 20 minutes. So I would say probably the best thing would be to, to record it with video and show it. And then after the video is over, bring them down into the baptistry to to do the actual baptism. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think folks get very nervous when they're, I mean, how, how often are they going to be baptized? Once in their life. Hopefully, yeah. yeah hopefully. <laughs> and uh, so this is something never to be repeated most times. And they're nervous. So it's something when you've interviewed them earlier and put it on the wall, I think that's, very healthy and helpful. And it doesn't have to be real glitzy. Just a a good quality cell phone pointed at a person in front of a white wall or a a wall that's all one color or maybe, you know, a pretty room in your church or something like that and then just throw it up on the screen if you have one. Uh, The next two kind of go together. And um, he says, if a son or daughter has godly parents being baptized, allow them to speak about their child's conversion. And that's interesting because it's the parent talking about the child's baptism. So I don't know, maybe you could include that in the, the uh, video that you do. Maybe it's more than just a testimony video. It might include mm-hmm. the parent as well. And then he also says, have the parent um, possibly do the baptism. Now, he said he doesn't think that's a good idea. I totally disagree with this. In fact, most my, one of my most recent baptisms as a pastor before I became a director of missions is I asked the father, would you like to baptize your son? Because he was a committed believer. He was active in our church. I knew that he had a godly testimony and, and uh, lifestyle. And he did it. And, and boy, the, the experience of him baptizing his son made it so much more meaningful for both he and his son and for me as well as a pastor. But you would only do that or allow that if the parent was a believer right yes and i think too when one of the things he put as number four allow them to speak about their child's conversion i get that i like the idea but pastor just know that you may have it may open the door for other parents who are not christians want to do the same thing so just be prepared to deal with that if it comes your way yeah and if and for the idea of them doing the baptism there might be a parent the same way. So, well, why don't I get to baptize my kid? Mm-hmm. And so you you maybe to make that a teachable moment. Yeah, you know, say, that's a good point. Here's yeah. why. Yeah, so and so showed a clear, definite testimony of being a godly mm-hmm. father or you know parent, and uh, I'd like for you to be that kind of parent as well. And yeah. so I'd love for you to baptize your next child. Yeah. <laughs> Present the gospel, get them yeah, saved, yeah. and move forward. That's Maybe we'll great. baptize you with your child. Yeah. Instead. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, and then he also says if your church, I don't know why the size of the church, he mentions if it's smaller or larger. I think any church could do this, but he says have it outside in a different location, maybe in a public place. Mm-hmm. And I know of a church in my association that did this. They had a picnic. They also had a baptism, and their church meets in a, uh, a school where they don't have a place to baptize. So they did the baptism in the stream right next to the picnic grounds. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome to see that, the video on Facebook, and what a great testimony that could be to the community. People coming by, what y'all doing out here, you know? Yeah. I was actually one this past Sunday, Kevin. It was uh, out on a river, 
And the pastor had nine people to baptize. And as he was baptizing them, people were standing up all along the shore who were not church members watching. Some were floating in inner tubes, getting close by, looking at what was happening. Wow. It was great. And he presented the gospel. It was great. That's cool. Uh, The next one, he says, uh, during the baptism, asked for a church's faithful commitment to the new believer. Now, as a pastor, I kind of did this. We didn't have them respond in any special way. But I did always remind when a person came forward and we presented them to the church before the baptism to be baptized. I would say, if you say amen to this person being baptized, you're saying amen, I will support them and help them grow as a believer. But you could do that also part of the baptism. Yeah, that's good. Because uh, you want, you want the, it also helps the church, but it also helps the person who, who hears that. The congregation is going to pray for them and raise them up. Right. And it helps that family know that they're being prayed for. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, when do you think you should baptize people after they get saved? What's your opinion? Well, if it's a child, I want to meet with the parents. So that's going to take a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a child getting saved in Sunday school, let's say, and then parents being surprised that they're being baptized that morning, that's not a good thing. Pastor, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. And, uh, but as, as if someone professes Christ and they've been counseled and you truly think they understand what they're doing, the sooner the better. You know, I know of a lot of churches will just wait and they'll do them all at one time. They'll wait months. To me, it's better to do it more often. It helps your church become healthier and stronger and excited about people coming to faith in Christ when you have to fill that tank more often. Now, brothers, what you're going to hear, well, it just costs money to fill that tank. Maybe we should do that as often. Listen, send me the bill, and I'll send it to Kevin, and we'll pay for it. We'll pay for it. Listen, it is so important for people to see lives being Mm -hmm. changed, and baptism is a symbol and sign of that. That is something we should get excited about, and the more often we can do it, the better. Yeah. When I have had multiple baptisms over a period, a shorter period of time, but... What what that did for our church was it added sort of a sense of, wow, look at all that God is doing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't fake. It was real. I mean, I think it was a real sense of God's really moving. So we had four baptisms in a period of about three months. And that was great. If we had waited to the end, that would have been exciting to have, you know, five people baptized all at once. But I think it was more uh, meaningful for our church, you know, in a previous church when I was a pastor, uh, to have four different baptisms, uh, that just added something, and it, it was it was exciting during that period. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if a church bapti- had a baptismal service at least once a month? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we do something here in North Carolina called fill the tank, and it's usually this Sunday right after Easter, and uh, it's a big emphasis, and we ask churches to go ahead and sign up saying that they're going to have a baptismal service. We've even had some pastors will preach out of the baptismal pool that day, even if they don't have somebody Mm -hmm. to baptize. It reminds the people that this is something that's very important and to share the gospel so people can find repentance and salvation through Christ. 
Boy, that feels kind of scary, though, to schedule a baptism when you don't have anybody to baptize. Yeah. Do you know anybody that that's happened I did that. It was scary, but yeah. you know what? The week before we got someone to baptize, and I felt so relieved. But at the same time, it it was like, wow, God did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and let's say God, and let's say nobody did, and you didn't have anybody, but the people still see the importance that yep. you're bringing up. You preach on baptism that day, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, well, and that leads us to the last point that we're going to look at, and that is teach on baptism. Now, I did every time I baptized. I never gave a full sermon from the baptistry right before I baptized people. I would It would maybe be five minutes at the longest. But I would always say, here's what baptism means. And kind of what I said was, here's what I just told our baptism. I tell everybody, here's what it means. Here's why we do it. And it gives you the chance to also share the gospel uh, in a meaningful way because then here's someone who comes in and their testimony is, hey, yes, I did get saved, and I'm making this public profession of my faith. You know, a lot of church members think the public profession of faith is when they walk down the aisle and stand in front of the church. But biblically, it's the baptism right. is the public profession of their faith in Jesus the Christ. The first part, walking the aisle, is not necessary. The baptism part yeah. is what Christ says. is It's really the first sign of obedience. Yeah, right. Well, this has been interesting. What ideas, maybe you've heard of something that's unique or different or creative uh, that you'd like to share with us, and we'd love to hear about those. So, uh, you know, you can go over to our website. We have one. Did you know we have a website? I did. Yeah, it's The Church. I'm sorry, let me start over because that's not it. Small. com. And we also have a Facebook page, which you can find there. And please re uh, uh uh, subscribe is the word I'm trying to get out. Whether you do it on Apple or Spotify or somewhere else, uh, subscribe to this podcast and share it with other people. I think it might be meaningful. We'd really appreciate that. And reach out to us. Tell us what you think of the podcast. If you have ideas for things that you would like to hear about, of uh, ways to make the small church healthier and stronger, uh, send it to us, uh, either Robbie or Kevin at, and then our website, thesmallchurchpodcast.com. But thanks for listening, and God bless you all.